0: Chapter 34 of A Short History of the World by H. G. Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 34 Between Rome and China. The second and first centuries BC mark a new phase in the history of mankind. Mesopotamia and the Eastern Mediterranean are no longer the center of interest. Both Mesopotamia and Egypt were still fertile, populous, and fairly prosperous, but they were no longer the dominant regions of the world. Power had drifted to the west and to the east. Two great empires now dominated the world, this new Roman Empire and the Renaissance Empire of China. Rome extended its power to the Euphrates, but it was never able to get beyond that boundary. It was too remote beyond the euphrates the former persian and indian dominions of the soloikids fell under a number of new masters china now under the han dynasty which had replaced the tsin dynasty at the death of Ti, had extended its power across tibet and over the high mountain passes of the pamirs into western turkestan but there too it reached its extremes beyond was too far China at this time was the greatest, best organized, and most civilized political system in the world. It was superior in area and population to the Roman Empire at its zenith. It was possible then for these two vast systems to flourish in the same world, at the same time, in almost complete ignorance of each other. The means of communication, both by sea and land, was not yet sufficiently developed and organized for them to come to a direct clash. Yet they reacted upon each other in a very remarkable way, and their influence upon the fate of the regions that lie between them, upon Central Asia and India, was profound. A certain amount of trade trickled through, by camel caravans across Persia, for example, and by coasting ships by way of India and the Red Sea, In 66 BC, Roman troops under Pompey followed in the footsteps of Alexander the Great and marched up the eastern shores of the Caspian Sea. In 102 AD, a Chinese expeditionary force under Pan Chao reached the Caspian and sent emissaries to report upon the power of Rome. But many centuries were still to pass before definite knowledge direct intercourse were to link the great parallel worlds of europe and eastern asia to the north of both these great empires were barbaric wildernesses what is now germany was largely forest lands the forests extended far into russia and made a home for the gigantic oirochs a bull of almost elephantine size then to the north of the great mountain masses of asia stretched a band of deserts, steppes, and the forests and frozen lands. In the eastward lap of the elevated part of Asia was the Great Triangle of Manchuria. Large parts of these regions, stretching between South Russia and Turkestan into Manchuria, were and are regions of exceptional climatic insecurity. Their rainfall has varied greatly in the course of a few centuries. They are lands treacherous to man. For years they will carry pasture and sustained cultivation, and then will come an age of decline in humidity and a cycle of killing droughts. The western part of this barbaric north, from the German forests to South Russia, and Turkestan, and from Gotland to the Alps, was the region of origin of the Nordic peoples and of the Aryan speech. The eastern steppes and deserts of Mongolia, was the region of origin of the Hunnish or mongolian or tartar or turkish peoples for all these several peoples were akin in language race and way of life and as the nordic peoples seem to have been continually overflowing their own borders and pressing south upon the developing civilizations of mesopotamia and the mediterranean coast so the Hunnish tribes sent their surplus as wanderers raiders and conquerors into the settled regions of china periods of plenty in the north would mean an increase in population there a shortage of grass a spell of cattle disease would drive the hungry warlike tribesmen south for a time there were simultaneously two fairly effective empires in the world capable of holding back the barbarians and even forcing forward the frontiers of the imperial peace. The thrust of the Han Empire from North China into Mongolia was strong and continuous. The Chinese population welled up over the barrier of the Great Wall. Behind the imperial frontier guards came the Chinese farmer with horse and plough, ploughing up the grasslands and enclosing the winter pasture. The Hunnish peoples raided and murdered the settlers, but the chinese punitive expeditions were too much for them the nomads were faced with the choice of settling down to the plough and becoming chinese taxpayers or shifting in search of fresh summer pastures some took the former course and were absorbed some drifted north eastward and eastward over the mountain passes down into the western turkestan this westward drive of the mongolian horsemen was going on from 200 B.C. onward. It was producing a westward pressure upon the Aryan tribes, and these again were pressing upon the Roman frontiers, ready to break through directly there was any weakness apparent. The Parthians, who were apparently a Scythian people, with some Mongolian admixture, came down to the Euphrates by the 1st century B.C. They fought against Pompey the Great, in his eastern raid. They defeated and killed Crassus. They replaced the soloikid monarchy in Persia by a dynasty of Parthian kings, the Arsacid dynasty. But for a time, the line of least resistance for hungry nomads lay neither to the west nor the east, but through Central Asia, and then southeastward through the Kiber Pass into India. It was India which received the Mongolian drive in these centuries of Roman and Chinese strength. A series of raiding conquerors poured down through the Punjab into the Great Plains to loot and destroy. The Empire of Ashoka was broken up, and for a time the history of India passes into darkness. A certain Kushan dynasty founded by the Indo-Scythians, one of the raiding peoples, Ruled for a time over North India and maintained a certain order. These invasions went on for several centuries. For a large part of the fifth century AD, India was afflicted by the Eftalites or White Huns, who levied tribute on the small Indian princes and held India in terror. Every summer, these Eftalites pastured in western Turkestan, every autumn, they came down through the passes to terrorize India. In the 2nd century AD, a great misfortune came upon the Roman and Chinese empires that probably weakened the resistance of both to barbarian pressure. This was a pestilence of unexampled virulence. It raged for 11 years in China and disorganized the social framework profoundly. The Han dynasty fell and a new age of division and confusion began, from which China did not fairly recover until the 7th century AD with the coming of the great Tang dynasty. The infection spread through Asia to Europe. It raged throughout the Roman Empire from 164 to 180 AD. It evidently weakened the Roman imperial fabric very seriously. We begin to hear of depopulation in the Roman provinces after this, and there was a marked deterioration in the vigour and efficiency of government. At any rate, we presently find the frontier no longer invulnerable, but giving way first in this place and then in that. A new Nordic people, the Goths, coming originally from Gothland in Sweden, had migrated across Russia to the Volga region and the shores of the Black Sea and taken to the sea and piracy. By the end of the 2nd century they may have begun to feel the westward thrust of the Huns. In 247 they crossed the Danube in a great land raid, and defeated and killed the Emperor Decius in a battle in what is now Serbia. In 236 another Germanic people, the Franks, had broken bounds upon the lower Rhine, and the Alemanni had poured into Alsac. The legions in Gaul beat back their invaders, but the Goths in the Balkan peninsula raided again and again. The province of Dacia vanished from Roman history. A chill had come to the pride and confidence of Rome. In 270-275, Rome, which had been an open and secure city for three centuries, was fortified by the Emperor Aurelian. End of chapter 34